the Orthodox Church of Armenia dates back to the disciples that came to Armenia back in the very early first century, right after the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's okay. I'm going to need the lights off in a bit anyway. Thank you. No, keep it on. And uh, so he was pastoring that fellowship within the Orthodox Armenian Church. And uh, it reminds us constantly that the Lord is active in every congregation. The Lord is active in every stream. And uh, he mentioned that he had been displaced. He had moved to Yerevan this last few months. And uh, he was invited. He doesn't know how. He was invited to attend this conference, he calls it, the gathering. And he knew nothing about it, knew nothing about the organizers, the leaders, what was going to happen. But it was a totally different conference than what he had ever imagined in the past going to. And in his mind, conferences are opportunities where you are taught. There's lectures, there's opening up of truth and Bible studies and things like that. But this was totally different. What they experienced, he says, was the love of God through one another, through coming together in worship, through hugs, through interactions. And we saw what God has been doing through this time, and it was very healing. And then he went on to thank us as a church. He says, I know that even though we're far apart, I know you guys have been praying for us during the difficulties, and I want to thank you for that. And uh, I look forward to meeting you someday, whether in Armenia, in Artsakh, in Toronto, Canada, or ultimately in heaven. And he's very grateful that we've stood with them and supported them. So he reminds me of what our theme is today in what we see in the book of Mark. I don't know if you noticed, but he was holding on to a little box. Did you notice that? As he was speaking, his hand looked like this. He was holding on to this little box dearly. This man had never owned a ring in his life. He doesn't have a wedding band. When the people from Singapore came with three of these boxes with these rings and they wanted to give them to an Armenian pastor in Armenia, an Armenian pastor outside Armenia, and to a new expression. I told you about this before. He was one of the people that received this. And they had three rings of different size and each one of the rings fit each one of the people perfectly. So we are connected through what the Singaporeans have done. And this is what the ring looks like. If you come up close, it's a titanium ring. And it's got the picture of the lion because they wanted to tell Armenia that the lion of Judah has never left you. Despite what you've gone through, all the difficulties that you've gone through, Jesus, the lion of Judah, has always been with you. And if you remember, those of you who have been walking with us for some time, in 2010, 2011, when we were praying for Armenia, God gave us this picture of the map of Armenia with the girl's face. You probably have seen this already. But with the Lion of Judah, and he told us, pray that Armenia doesn't turn her back or stay with her back turned to me. But I've got her back. So this was another reminder of what God is doing. So this ties into today's theme. Now, he, he received the ring. And, you know, people exchange rings at when? Weddings. What's a wedding? A vow. 
a vow of covenant. So I want to keep your attention on this man because I believe that the Lord covenanted him with us. He's not here, but we are in a covenantal relationship with him as a church and as a minister. His daughter was there. His daughter was amazing. She's a young girl, Anna, and she just fell in love with Daniel Kim's oldest daughter. You would find them walking around, jumping together, dancing with one another, hugging, sitting on the floor, taking selfies. There is a connection that happened in the heart, at the heart level. And the Lord opened it up and explained it. So I don't normally wear rings outside of my wedding band. But I'm going to try to wear this one as a reminder of the relationship we have with this couple of people in Armenia. Peter, the guy with the altar cafe. And Armen, the man from Artsakh. But why is it relevant for today? Why am I taking all this time? The passage for today on the lectionary, the gospel passage, is Mark 1 through 8. Sorry, Mark 1, verse 1 through verse 8. Mark is the shortest gospel. And it's also the fastest moving gospel. You find a lot of suddenlies. And then, and then suddenly, and then this happened, and then that happened. And all through it, Mark uses some very powerful literary tools in, in switching the scene rapidly. And sometimes telling you something ahead of something else and then coming back and closing the loop on it. So in this section... All the other Gospels start off by telling us the beginnings of Jesus and what happened. And true to form, Mark does the same. He says, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Gospel, the good news. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. Who's the you? He's speaking to someone. God the Father is speaking to someone. And that someone is the one who's coming after the messenger. Who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. As John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness. This baptizer is not my word. It's the New Revised Standard word. Proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean area, region, and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the straps of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Advent 2, preparation for the coming of Messiah. In each one of these weeks, the lectionary and the people that have put it together, are helping us prepare our hearts for the coming of Messiah. 
the people of Jerusalem went out to the wilderness. The wilderness wasn't the place you go. It was the place of wild animals and beasts. It was the place that people that are suffering go there to just separate. But they were going out to the wilderness to be baptized because they were changing their perspectives and their hearts in preparation to receive this Messiah that's coming. I'm preparing the way. They were getting their minds and their hearts ready to receive. I want to tell you today that each one of us is a John the Baptist. Each one of us has been given the same responsibility, not to wear camel skin, not to eat locust and honey, but to be alert and to prepare the way for the people that are right now in the wilderness. They're not coming to meet us there. They're already there. The people all around you and around me, all around us in the world completely, every one of us is in the wilderness until some John the Baptist comes along and prepares the way for the encounter between us and the Messiah. Every one of us is wandering around amongst beasts and desert and, and lack of water, lack, lack of strength. But the somebody, the John the Baptist, comes along and he says, prepare the way. I'm not the worthy one. I can't even stoop down and untie his shoelaces. I'm, he's too big for me. He's too holy for me. I'm not the one. I may baptize you in water. We may hold services and baptize you in water. But he's going to be the one that baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. And this is you and me. Every one of us has been given this mandate. Unless we go, unless we prepare the way, they will not know. We're coming up to Christmas. There's two more weeks before we, as a city, as a country, as a world, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. In the midst of this, will you be the John? Will you be the John the Baptist and step into people's lives and just say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm so happy we celebrate Christmas. Because it reminds me what God has done for us. Just something simple. You don't have to know the gospel to stand there like a theologian and preach it. Just tell them what it means to you. Share your testimony. Share how you have received whatever you have received. It doesn't have to be biblical language. It doesn't have to be big. It could be as simple as, you know, the other day I was just so depressed. I took my Bible and God encountered me as I turned to one of the pages. Just something very basic, real, human, not lofty, theological, big words. Simple. John the Baptist came and told them, repent. They repent because your sins can be forgiven. It's not a big ask. When someone knows that they're sinners, repenting is not a huge ask. You're not asking them to go get a cow and kill it. You're not asking them to go big, give big money to the poor. You're simply asking them to repent. Simple. How complicated is that? But ego gets in the way. But John the Baptist stood there in the simplicity of a broken man 
Now, of course, we know the rest of the story. He lost his life because of what he did. But that's not what I'm asking you to step into. We don't need martyrs. If we become martyrs, that's, the, that's God's doing and God's business with it. But he wants us to step in to be John the Baptists. That's it. That's my message today. Will you? Will you step into that role? Will you become simple enough, humble enough, to not hold it to your arms and say, it's mine, I'm not going to share it with you? Now, 